Hi, and welcome to the Overflow Podcast. I'm Chuck Ammons, teaching pastor at Overflow Church in Brandon, Florida, and we are here to help you receive the Father's love and to release it to everyone you encounter everywhere. Wherever you're listening from today, your God adores you. I pray this message elevates and ignites your faith. On this podcast, you will find biblical messages to activate your faith, as well as our You Asked For It series, where we address your questions about trusting God's goodness as Father and living out His fullness as beloved sons and daughters. To find out more about Overflow Church, visit us at myoverflowchurch.com or on Facebook at Overflow Church Brandon. We'd also love to encourage you to check out our book, Life in the Overflow, and its accompanying devotional at Amazon.com. Chris. So, well, we welcome you this morning as we kick off a brand new message series today called Get in the Game. And I think back, I was in fourth grade. My parents signed me up for Cub Scouts in high hopes that the kid who never wanted to be in the dirt and only wanted to play inside with his Legos would stretch to new horizons. And I showed up for Cub Scouts. This is what I saw. They had a great vision. The vision of Cub Scouts at that time was all about adventure and life skills and character and teamwork. They had an amazing troop leader. He was caring. He was honest. He was engaging. The place that we went, it was a cool home. It was one of my friend's houses, and it was like the coolest house of all of our friends. They had good food. Several of my friends were there. Yet for all of that, Cub Scouts never lived up to the hype. I don't remember any campouts or bonfires, and sadly, I can't recall a single life skill I learned that I use today. My whole experience of being a Cub Scout was this. Every Tuesday night, I found myself sitting on the edge of a basketball court on a skateboard while some kids shot hoops and others skated. There was a buzz of activity all around me, but I sat on the sideline of it all. And now as an adult, I thought back and I wondered, why was that? And I saw two things. One, as a kid, whether you would believe it or not, I was quiet and introverted. And so when I showed up on Tuesday nights, I didn't believe anyone there needed me. After all, it looked like they were doing okay without me. And if I'd be honest, I would say nobody was really pursuing or noticing when I was there or when I wasn't. The second was this. I didn't believe that I added any value to where we came together. I was no good at the stuff they were doing. I had a basketball hoop at home, but I was a terrible shot, still am. Nobody had ever taught me the form, and I didn't want to make a fool of myself. I had some older kids around the corner from my house that had a skating half pipe, but I was the young kid that never quite had the nerve to take the drop. And so instead, I just showed up week after week sitting on the edge of a court that was paved for action, sitting on a vehicle that was handcrafted for adventure, and I just watched. And I thought, if ever there is a picture of the modern church, that's it. We've got a great vision. We're called to be a city on a hill, to be salt and light. We are forgiven and free. We are the people that will storm the gates of hell and go into all the world and make disciples of all nations for the king who changed everything. As I've been 25 years in the local church, I will tell you we've got amazing leaders. I've been around a lot of local churches and seen anointed worship and preaching and tons of spirit-filled resources, and I have watched Pastors who have been the most selfless, humbled, anointed lovers of Jesus you could imagine. And yet, for the last several hundred years in the church of the West, the story has been that of a few excited and exhausted people advancing the kingdom of God while the masses sit on their skateboards and watch. Some of them do so because nobody has pursued them and given them a vision worth leaving their seat for. Seems to be going okay without them. 
Some have believed the lie that what they bring to the table is not really needed, that your presence won't add critical value. I want to say that ends today. In the next five weeks, I want to talk about how we as a church can collectively get up and get in the game together. As you heard on our announcement, we've been watching God do some crazy, miraculous things in our presence It was only a number of weeks ago in February that we stood here and said the Spirit of God was stirring, though we hadn't seen anything over the surface of the waters, and that he told us that it was time to make some Spirit-filled declarations of what he was going to do. You remember that? We stood and we said, this year we're going to watch people saved in a way we've never seen it before. We're going to watch people baptized. We're going to watch them set free. We're going to see God move. I want to let you know, since we spoke those words, listen, Overflow Church, since we said that just a few weeks ago, just in our time here, we've watched 10 sons and daughters cross the threshold from death into life as they've made a declaration to follow Jesus all of their days. As you heard them talk about in the video, we had 10 people scheduled to be baptized. And it's true. I, because I'm not a hype person, I let it go for a while. And I'm like, this has been awesome. And I didn't see anything. And we never as a church want to manipulate you because I believe there's a difference between the Holy Spirit and hype. When you see the Holy Spirit, you're going to get much more excited than hype. And it's long lasting. So we don't need to hype you up. So last week, I tried not to hype you up. I said, okay, we're going to be here, we're going to baptize, and we watched as more and more and more came. And last week, listen, we stayed for over an hour after service calling for 40 sons and daughters of God to be immersed in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It was miraculous and beautiful. As we've walked together, we've seen a number of testimonies, and I would guess right now, probably healing testimonies, we're looking at actual physical healing testimonies, about 15 healing testimonies that we've had just over the last weeks, which is crazy. We've had people hearing the voice of God for the first time, prophetic visions. You even saw here two that came up today and said, man, I'm shaking, but the Spirit of the Lord is speaking. And man, wasn't the Spirit of the Lord speaking through them? Come on, Rachel. Come on, Shane. That's good. In the midst of this time, we've given a bold call that we would be the church. And I want to share with you today, listen, I've been here a long time on this property. And it's the first time I'm going to be able to give you the statistic I gave you. As of today, 75% of the Overflow family is connected in a missional community, a number that is growing daily. Isn't that incredible? So I want you to join me and say, thank you, Jesus. Say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We're thankful, but we're not satisfied. We're thankful, but we're not satisfied because I would say what we're looking at is we're just starting to leave our skateboards and step onto the court. So in the next five weeks, this is what we're going to do. We want to help every man, every woman, and every child who calls Overflow Church home, or maybe you're checking us out here or online and you want to call Overflow Church home. We want to help you know what it would look like to get off the sidelines and get into the game. Personally, in our community, and as a church together. And there are three ways that I want us to look at this. Three ways over the next five weeks. If you want to get into the game, you've got to register, you've got to step into the right rhythms, and you've got to get in the right rooms. So if you think about sports for just a minute, there are rhythms that take place within sports. You've probably heard the stat before that Michael Jordan was cut from his high school team, and yet... He went on to be arguably the greatest of all time. He became a legend. How? How did it happen? Well, see, there were rhythms that came. Michael Jordan spent hours and hours and hours conditioning in personal time and in team time, practicing. He shot a lot of free throws. He learned to dribble. He constantly grew in his skills. There are rhythms for us to grow up in. And listen, it's the same thing in the kingdom of God. There are rhythms, and I want to talk about next week how there are rhythms where you can make this the year that your friendship with God becomes a priority unlike anything you've ever known. And here's the best part. In the church, we tend to either talk about friendship with God just alone or the stuff we do together, but it was supposed to be both. We're supposed to have a friendship with God together. We're going to talk about the rhythms of how you do that. A few weeks from now, I'm going to talk about the rooms If you want to succeed in sports, and once you get to the professional level, you're going to find there are a few rooms that you need to be in regularly. you got to be in the locker room. You've got to be in the film room. 
And you've got to be in the press room. I'm going to talk about exactly what that means. Now, in between these weeks, I'm thrilled because in just a few weeks, when they get back from the Dominican, our own missions pastor, Pastor Aaron, is going to be sharing the platform here, giving a message to ignite us to live on mission. And then we're going to end our series as our senior pastor, Lynn, is going to talk about what it means for us to live lives that truly count. And so these next weeks, I want to encourage you to make it a priority. Today, this is where I want to start. If we are going to be the kind of people that are going to get in the game, it starts when you register. I remember when, after my time in, uh, failed time in Cub Scouts, my parents tried again and said, well, let's try football. And I remember pal football. Anybody, anybody play football, pal football, anything like that? Any other sports? Great. There could be no judgment in the room. Awesome. <laughs> so as I signed up for pal football, what I found was this. It all starts with registration. You show up at an info meeting. This is where you hear the vision. It's where they give you the schedule of the practices and the games. It's where they give you the equipment list. They tell you what the commitment is going to be. And registration, that's when you pay the cost. That's when you get your jersey and you get your number and you see your name on the roster. And in the same way in the kingdom of God and the local church, our journey begins as we get the vision, we count the cost, and we register to say, I'm all in. With that, I want to give you a big idea this morning. And very simply put, it's this. The enemy of your soul will do just about anything to keep you from suiting up with your team by convincing you that you are unwanted, unworthy, unqualified, or unnecessary. He does this because he is terrified of what will happen with a you that is confident and connected. I'm going to say that again. The enemy of your soul will do just about anything to keep you from suiting up with your team by convincing you that you are unwanted, unworthy, unqualified, or unnecessary. He does this because he is terrified of what will happen with a you that is confident and connected. And so we see these lies that the enemy wants to bring to us. Exhibit A for the courtroom today. And I want you to see these lies that the enemy brings. Two of them that he's going to bring before us are directly attacking our identity. They're attacking our sense of confidence and worth. And two of them are challenging our connection. He'll show up and want to tell you that you are unwanted and unworthy. Come on, Shane, you had no idea what this chart set up here. But today is all about worthiness and what the Lord is speaking. The Lord is speaking to you, my friend. So I just say more in Jesus' name. The enemy is going to lie and say that you are unwanted and unworthy. This is all about your heart. He's going to try to convince you that you are not worth being seen or being pursued. And then he's going to try to come and tell you that you are unqualified or unnecessary. If these two are about your heart, these two are about your hands. He's going to tell you that the team is doing okay without you, and you aren't really adding any value. And I would tell you one of the biggest lies the enemy of our soul uses is to convince us that we are not spiritual enough. The professionalization of Christianity, I believe, is one of the greatest schemes of our enemy. He'll tell you this. He'll say, well, listen, in the same way that you have a doctor to look after your health and a mechanic to look after your car and a barber to look after your hair. You plug in a church so you'll have a pastor to look after your soul. And I want to say, no. That's actually robbing you and robbing us from a thing called the priesthood of believers where you and I go boldly to the throne of God together. It keeps us as a body that exhausts pastors so they want to quit and keep sons and daughters as if they're orphans. And this scheme, here's what it does. It makes us parishioners instead of peacemakers. The scheme makes us members instead of ministers of reconciliation. It's a scheme to make us evaluators instead of equipped ones and critics instead of contributors. But somebody say, praise God. Praise God, it's game day. The fullness of time has come that that lie would fully fall. I want you to look at these words with me in Ephesians chapter 3 this morning. It says this. Paul says, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given to me through the working of his power. 
Although I am less than the least of the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. So I want us to look together at these verses for just a minute. If we go back to the beginning of that verse, Paul starts off and asks this, who are we as followers of Christ? And he says this, we're servants. We're servants. He said, the way I want to define myself is as a servant, and I love this, it means one who is confident enough so that they can meet the needs of others. It literally means to serve food to the hungry and drink to the thirsty. It's where we get the word deacon. And I want to praise God. We've got some amazing deacons and deaconesses. You will see them serving all around our church all the time. Our deacons and deaconesses, you'll recognize them because in any meeting they show up, they have one question for me. What is it that we need to do, Pastor? Just tell us what needs to be done. That's what it is to be a deacon. But Paul starts this off and says, actually, that's a role in the church, but that's all of us. If you want to know who you are in Christ, you're called to be a servant. But look, he says we're a servant of what? He said we're a servant of the gospel, of ridiculously good news. I don't know about you, but I can get behind serving that, right? It's not a servant of taking out the trash. It's not a servant of cleaning dirty toilets, though sometimes it's going to mean that. He says, no, you want to know what you are. You're a servant to serve up what? Ridiculously good news. And I've said this many times. The problem in the church in America when some say, man, things are getting weird in the midst of the church. I, I would say, listen, we want to protect the holiness of God in everything we do. We don't want to hype you up. But goodness gracious, the problem in the American church is not that we aren't excited enough. That's not the problem. The problem is not, man, those Christians just get too excited. That's the problem in America. That's not the problem. The problem is that often we're sitting on our skateboards on the side of the basketball court and not living in the game. We're evaluating instead of living equipped. So he said what? We become servants of ridiculously good news. Anybody want to be that? Yes. Anyone want to serve up ridiculously good news? Yes. Four people in the room want to serve up ridiculously good news. Anybody else interested this morning in serving up ridiculously good news? How do we do it? How? Listen, he says it's this. You do it not by your effort but by grace. We talked last week about how grace is a gift God the Father gives you because he delights in you. But it's not just that. It's a gift that he gives you, Chris, that he delights in you and he's going to keep giving it until you delight. He won't stop until you're delighting like he's delighting. Grace is a delight gift. So check this out. He said, you want to know what you are, Anissa? What you are all the days of your life. You're a servant. What are you serving up? Ridiculously good news. How do you do it? You come to recognize the Father delights in you and he's going to keep delighting into you until you delight so much that you just have to pour that delight out everywhere you go. By the way, you're you're doing a great job at your job, Anissa. It's good. I want you to note something Paul says, right? So, so far we can all look and say, man, I want that, right? We want that. I want that to be true in my life. But maybe right now you're already starting to come to this chart, but you don't understand, Pastor. You don't understand. I'm not worthy of that. I want to tell you something about grace. Paul says it right here in this verse. It cannot be earned. It can only be given to him. Listen to what Paul says about himself. He says, I don't think I'm worthy of this. In fact, I feel like I am less than the least of all of the Lord's people. Come on, anybody relate to that? Anybody ever been there and be like, oh man, I have blown it so bad. And listen, if the Bible is the word of God, Paul is saying, I felt like I was less than the least of all of God's people. And nonetheless, this grace, this delight to serve up ridiculously good news, it's mine and it's yours. So what do we do with it? He continues on. Look in this verse. He says, what do I do with ridiculously good news? For Paul, he said, I have no choice but to preach to the Gentiles. Now, for us, that might not relate because we live over in the West. But in Paul's day, there were only two groups of people. There were Jewish people, and then there was the rest of the world. Now, if you look at a map and look at Israel and how small Israel is, they were very, 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 very small borders that were chosen for the people of God. And what they were used to all the days of their life was the Jewish people were the people that were in. They were the selected, they were the chosen, they were the promised ones, they were the worthy ones. And the Gentiles, which was the other 99.9% .9 of the world, was viewed as the out. They were the dirty, they were the unclean, 
They were the ones that lived outside of the walls. They were the ones that were relegated to off of the court on their skateboard. They were the Ninevites. They were Babylon. They were the prodigal son. They were Ishmael, the half-breed. And Paul said this, listen, no, because this grace and this delight has taken over me, I've got to serve up ridiculously good news, and the first place I need to run is straight to them. I need to run to people who consider themselves far from God. He says, I've got to make it plain to everyone. And now check this out. There's this phrase that he gets that is where I'm going to start to get excited. If you think I've gotten excited yet, no, I'm just revving up right now. This is where I start to get excited in Ephesians chapter 3 because he says this. Look, he says that I need to make known what? The administration of a mystery. You see that there? I need to make known the administration of a mystery. I want to tell you, actually, our English Bibles are amazing. The versions of Bibles that we get, people ask me all the time, what version of the Bible should I get? I'm going to say the one you're going to read, and I really mean that. I'm not being snarky. Get the version you're going to read. But our modern scholarship and what they're getting, the Bibles are amazing. That said, when you translate from one language to another, what you're going to find is sometimes we have to choose one word for this thing that is represented by six or seven or eight. It's a complex picture, and we don't always get the right word. And I want to humbly say this to the translators of this passage. They got the wrong word here. When they say the administration of a mystery, it's a bad translation because the word administration is actually the word koinonia. It means fellowship or complete sharing together. It means communion. He said, what's the ridiculously good news that I get? Is that I look and say not only that God has called me worthy, but to the dirtiest, furthest, most unqualified, unwanted, unworthy, or feeling unnecessary child that they are included in, that it is just as much yours as it is mine. He said, I've got to tell all the unwanted and unworthy and unqualified and unnecessary that they are experiencing the same grace that got me off the sidelines, the same fullness of joy that transformed me is chasing them down too, which means what? It means that we've had a transformation, that in Christ, now the cross has literally crossed out the old picture of who we were. We are no longer unwanted. Zephaniah 3.17, in fact, it says this. It says that my God rejoices over you with gladness. He quiets you with his love. He exults over you with loud singing. Anybody got loud kids? Anybody got kids all the time that you're like, man, my house would be so much better if they just shut up in Jesus' name? Anybody? But I want you to see what you notice about those loud kids. They are living life fully, aren't they? You know what they feel all the time, and they're loud because that excitement, whether it shows up as excitement or anger, they just can't hold it in. They got to tell the world. This is what I want to let you know. What the Bible says right now for you, those of you who feel unwanted is that in Christ you are eternally wanted. You are chosen. He's dancing over you and literally in heaven right now, he's waking up the angels every morning, Carlos, because he's shouting about you. That's what scripture says. It says that he's so excited. He's like, guys, you got to check out my boy, Carlos. He's amazing. And they're like, oh my goodness. Come on, Jesus, it's early. He rejoices over you with loud singing. Somebody lay your hand on your heart right now and say, I am adored and I am wanted. That's what scripture says. For every person who shows up and says, I'm unworthy, no, the cross has crossed out your un. What he says now, Colossians 1.12, is that he has made you worthy to share in the inheritance of the saints. And by the way, if you were wondering if that was true, God sent a son from across the room that had no idea what we were talking about today. To show up here and say, because he is worthy, you are worthy. There's a billion things we could be talking about, but somebody, you're wrestling with this right now. And God says, I've been chasing you down all week, talking to all kinds of sons and daughters that you would know now and forever. I have qualified you to be worthy. So come on, hand on your heart, because you are worthy, I am worthy. Yeah? For those feeling unqualified, no, the cross shows up and crosses out. It says, no, now and forever, 2 Corinthians 3, 6, you are qualified as ministers of a new covenant. That you're qualified. That God shows up and says, no, the things that I'm putting you in that feel too big for you, my spirit goes with you, and you plus God is always a majority. He says, I've qualified you. Just say yes. For those of you who feel unnecessary, that you've been on the sidelines of your own life because you feel like, you know, I'm not really needed. The cross has crossed out your un, and it says this, 1 Corinthians 12, 21, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. 
If you are in Christ, you are a vital part of the body. And I need you to hear me this morning. We will never be us if you are not fully connected and fully confident to be fully and truly you. He says there's this mystery that I've got. Paul in Ephesians 3 says the Gentiles, they're included. It's amazing. But then he goes further and he says, no, you don't get it. Because this is good news, right? We get excited about this, right? Come on, two people can get excited about this. We can get excited about this, right? But Paul shows up and he says, no, actually what's going on is a lot deeper than that. He said, because that's just the stuff that I can tell you that I can know and that I could study. That's the stuff that's in scripture. He says, but I'm actually a part of a mystery right now. That means something that was hidden, something that his ancestors didn't understand. And the something that's a mystery, I want you to look at this scripture. He says it has to do with, and here's the phrase, the rulers and authorities in heavenly realms. Now, if you're a Bible student like me, you get excited because this is the book of Ephesians. And in three chapters, in Ephesians chapter 6, he uses the same exact phrase, the rulers and authorities in the spiritual realms. And this is how he uses it. He says our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. Somebody wake up and listen this morning because we've heard all of this as a personal word. And maybe you've heard it and it's been encouraging, but we're about to pivot and show why we've got to get off the sidelines and in together. He said there's a mystery. What is it? It is something right now that is available that nobody before Paul noticed that puts the enemy on notice and sends him running. What? That the manifold wisdom of God is ready to be released on the earth. Manifold, it means varied with many shades and colors. It's the different threads that a weaver knits to make a tapestry. It's the contrasting shades in the palette of a painter that makes a masterpiece. It's the diversity of tools that a craftsman uses to custom construct a home and everything inside of it. He says this manifold wisdom, not just you knowing you're wanted, you're worthy, you're qualified, you're necessary. Yay, it's just me and Jesus. He says, no, when we come into a place where we understand manifold wisdom together, where we all need each other, the kingdom of God advances and the gates of hell are pushed back. And somebody this morning, if you're paying attention, you need to note that it will only and ever be done through the church. That word ecclesia means the gathered one. So anytime you meet a Christian that says, I believe I could be a Christian, but I can just do me and Jesus, and that's not really, I don't need to be in the church, I'm going to say, I love you, that's stupid. <laughs> because you can get to heaven and know that you are wanted, worthy, qualified, and necessary, and do nothing to put the spiritual realms on notice here on earth and to bring heaven to earth. Why? Because the manifold wisdom of God is only released through the church. Ephesians chapter 3, he says this. Listen, for those of you who've been around for some time, you'll know that in Ephesians chapter 4, he shifts gears and he says that there's a diversity of gifts and graces and strengths that if we get connected and we get confident that we would bring every shade of Jesus. And sure enough, in Ephesians chapter 4, he shows five of these graces. So God gave apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. They're shades of grace, and you carry a mega anointing in one or several of these right now. In fact, I want to say to every person hearing my voice, it's in your DNA. It's how you see the world. By the way, for most of you, you're not impressed by it because we don't recognize the glory in ourselves. It's just normal. It's what you've always known. But God says this, if you would register, if you would suit up, if you would take your place in community, you would begin to see that that thing in you is not just normal. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. It sets the enemy on notice. And look at the end of the passage. It says this, that the end result would be that we would approach God with freedom and confidence. Somebody hear me this morning. Community and confidence is the battleground of the enemy's attack in our lives to get us discouraged, to get us distracted, and to get us disconnected. Why? Because he knows that a confident and connected you completely terrifies him. If you walk in family and you choose focus, it's over for the powers of darkness. If you walk in family and you choose focus, 
If you choose community and you walk in confidence, it's over for the powers of darkness. So listen, he's got a scheme to keep you from community and confidence, and it's called condemnation. He wants you to condemn yourself, and he wants you to condemn the church, to cut yourself off. This is what I mean. We cut ourselves off from ourselves by hiding, self-medicating, and distracting so that we don't have to ask deep questions, face deep wounds, feel, or heal. He wants to convince you that you are unwanted, unworthy, unqualified, unnecessary, but listen, there's a second scheme, and it's the one that I'm watching run pervasive today amongst Christians. He cuts us off from the church and from community two ways. One is by polite dishonesty. We smile, we show up, but we stop being vulnerable. Emotionally, we take two steps back and we stop letting people in. We put on our church face. Or number two, through blame. I gotta tell you, in these last years, the amount of hate and hurt I hear from Christians toward the church is astounding. And it tells me two things. It leaves me two places. Number one, I'm brokenhearted. Because the stories that I've heard, listen, I haven't been in the rooms where it's happened, and I know there's two sides to every story, but I've heard too much, and I've watched too much of the shrapnel to hear stories of people who stand in the place of the authority of the name of Jesus who look very little like the frame of Jesus. They look little like his posture and little like his voice, and when I hear people that have been hurt within the confines of a church or a pastor, I grieve deeply. If that's been your story, I'm so sorry. But you need to know there's a second response that I'm engulfed by every time. It's that I'm, I'm shocked by how quickly and by how, on how little many Christians have given up altogether on the local church. How quickly Christians will give up on their local church. Listen, culturally, we jump as quickly from church to church as streaming networks or our cell plan service. Or we leave altogether. And i got to tell you, I've watched so many people leave the local church, ours and others, and usually without a word, making the church their boogeyman while removing personal responsibility. And I want to say this in love. Whatever you want to say about the church, if you are a follower of Jesus, you're talking about yourself. I'm the church. You are the church. We are the church. The church is not a building, but a body. And listen, I don't know any medical story. I've never tuned into one. If you have a documentary like this on Netflix, let me know. I've never seen a medical story where an organ of someone's body found out that there was a sick and diseased organ near it and said, you know what, I'm just going to leave because I'm healthy and you're not. <laughs> so I'm going to go do me. I'm going to be my own entity. I am kidney, I don't need no body anymore. <laughs> because I want to tell you, the minute that healthy kidney says that, the minute that kidney does that, it is sicker than every diseased part of the body that's staying connected because you weren't made to survive apart from a body. Yeah. Equally, let me say this, I don't know how it makes any sense in the world. And listen, I say this in love. If you've been hurt by a church, if right now you're watching online and you're having a hard time getting back in the church, please hear love and patience. But I want to say, sometimes the arrogance that I hear out of people where we say something like this, because I've had a few encounters with a few local parts of a few local bodies that have been painful, I have decided once and for all that the whole global body can't be trusted, and I would be better making my own path in my own way. I want community on my own terms. Listen, that's people trying to go out like Burger King, having it your way, and guess what? Just like Burger King, it's not that good. <laughs> Just like Burger King, it's going to make you sick. I love that we're starting to see revival stir. But you wonder why for so long we haven't seen revival come and stay where the lost are running in. And I would say this in Love Church, it's because we can't even stay together with each other over programming preferences. 
People leave churches over the music style and the volume over the kids program and the teen program. Well, their best friends weren't in that group, but their best friends are going to be in this group. And so now we're just going to kind of go here for this and here for that. And, 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 and well, the reason I'm leaving my church is because something's missing. I can't tell you how often I've heard that. Well, it's just something's missing. And we leave when something's missing without ever stopping to consider that perhaps that's why God called you here in the first place, so that you could help fill what was lacking. I'm passionate about this because meanwhile, I've watched lots and lots of amazing pastors and ministries hurt under the demands of a consumer culture cloaked in pseudo-spiritual language. So I want to say this. As we land the plane this morning, if Overflow Church is your home and you see some place that we are sick, there is no more room for offense or polite retreat. If you see gaps and flaws and blind spots, I'm going to challenge you boldly to stop trying to put up with it while quietly fuming and judging what we don't see. I'm going to call for you to stop slowly retreating. You're a crucial thread in the tapestry of the multifaceted wisdom of God. It's time to get in the game and say this, I see this. Where can I be part of the solution? I see this gap. I see this hurt. I see this pain. Where can I be part of the solution? I want to tell you these last months of victory, these things that we've seen, the reason we're seeing them is because of constructive conversations with beautiful and bold members of our body who have been choosing confident connection. So I want to say this this morning. If you are here, hallelujah. Thank you, son. That's the heart of a shepherd right there. <laughs> Seriously, son, let me say this. Gabriel, there's a maturity beyond your years. There's a maturity beyond your years. Because <clears throat> no, no joke, because I so much, you guys don't know this, because sometimes you're like, man, he goes on, he goes, and he goes. It kills me every week that we go long, because I want to so honor your time. So I'll get up here at times, and I'm like, no, I want it to breathe, but man, I want to get done. And about 10 minutes ago, I was like, my throat is killing me, and every once in a while that just happens. And I was like, and I left my water, and I just, I was like, I'm just going to keep going. And I was in pain, so thank you. I honor you. And that took you guys 90 more seconds today, so <laughs> be upset with Gabriel. All right. <laughs> That's how you make a room turn against you right there. I want to say this to you. If you are here and there is somewhere right now in our body you are frustrated, I hope this week you will get very, very excited because there's somewhere we're about to become great because of Christ in you. I don't want you to forget that most revivals have been born out of frustration and desperation somewhere we couldn't breathe. That's what it is to be revived, breathed in again. We can't breathe. And suddenly we reach a place where we say we refuse to settle for that anymore. So I'm going to say if you're here and you're frustrated, come on, register, head up, be confident in your voice, be confident in what you see. Don't choose polite dishonesty. Don't just put up with it and think maybe they're going to see it. The eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. In fact, this is what I'm going to ask. If you're here right now and you see a place that looks kind of like heaven, but not fully like heaven, or a place that there's a gap and you're like, man, if we'd only do this... I'm going to challenge you this week to come to me or to come to the leader that is over the area of your ministry. And it's very important, by the way, if you're in a ministry, don't leapfrog them and come to me. That's not honor. If you're in their ministry and they have never talked to you about this, you go to them. You talk to the leader of your ministry and say, this is a gap that I see. This is an area I see that we are sick or we're incomplete. And I want, you want to know the altar call this week? I want lots of calls that I hear from our leaders this week to say, this is how Overflow Church can look more like heaven. Now that said is I'm going to embolden you. I'm telling every leader in this room, if they come to you, I want you to ask them three questions. When they come, there are three questions I'm going to ask if you come to me and say, this is broken in Overflow Church. Number one, I'm going to ask, are you in a missional community? We're a missional community church. So if you come to me and say, the church isn't meeting my needs and you're not in a missional community, I'm going to say, of course it's not, because you only got one foot in it. And I mean it in love, but we're a missional community church. Your needs will not get met if you're not in a missional community. That's by design. That would be like going to a car mechanic and saying, my car's not running right. And he says, did you put gas in it? Well, no. 
The missional community is the gas, and it's getting stronger every day, but we can never be the community that we can be until you get in and help us build. you got to get in the game. So if you come to me and you say, I'm not in a missional community, I want you to know, I'm still going to listen to your concern, and I'm going to help you plug into a missional community. The second question I'm going to ask you is this if you come. Are you in the places where we gather? Are you in the places where we gather? Are you in our services? And if you're not in our service, are you checking it out online? Are you reading our emails? Are you coming to our family meetings? A year ago, we streamlined our entire church on purpose. We simplified so we'd be in all of the same places together. We said we're going to make one service and be a part of one missional community because we want to streamline so the rest of the week you can run as lifestyle missionaries. But listen to me. That only works if you put yourself in the places where the info is. Fifteen years ago, if you had to be out of town on a Sunday morning, you simply missed church. That was it. Hopefully there's a friend that took good notes. But now, I want you to know that every message and every meeting at Overflow Church is recorded. It's on Facebook. It's on YouTube. It's on a podcast. This morning, the sermon notes are on the Bible app. We send out weekly emails. We send out text. We have an incredible social media team, and it's all accessible. And I say this in love. I am done apologizing for what you didn't know because you didn't come to the place where it was shared. That'd be like a well that's pouring out water consistently in the same places. I say this in love. Don't come and tell me you're thirsty and you're mad at the church because you're not coming to the well. I'm just going to love you enough to say it. The second question I'm going to ask if you come is, are you coming to the places where we're gathering? If you're not, I'm still going to listen to your concern. I want to hear it. But then I'm also going to say to you, now here's my concern. You're not coming to the places where we're gathering and we need you because we can't be us until you're here. Now there's a third question I'm going to ask. And I want to say this in love. If you answer no to this question, I'm not going to listen to anything you have to say. <laughs> My third question is this. First question, are you in a missional community? Second, are you in the places we gather? Third, are you ready to use your gifts to be part of the solution? Listen, I'm eager to grow. Our leaders, we are eager to get better. And we don't put on airs that we think we have it figured out. We believe with all of our hearts in messy vulnerability where the I can't say to the hand, I don't need you. We're just getting started. Are there gaps at Overflow Church? Heck yeah. Are there things that you're frustrated about right now that need to be fixed and that's why God called you? Yes! And I'm eager to hear your voice. But listen, only if you're going to come in and be a contributor because if you're not willing to fully plug in and be a part of the solution, you are a critic and not a contributor. You know, you know the difference? Critics want to evaluate the worth of everyone else's art without having to play a part of creating something themselves. I'm going to say that again because that's good. <laughs> Critics want to evaluate the worth of everyone else's art. They've got an opinion. You're doing that wrong. You're doing that wrong. That's not right. That's not right. But they don't want to be a part of having to create something themselves. Listen, it's easy to be a food critic. It's hard to perfect a meal. It's easy to be an art critic. It's hard to make a masterpiece. It's easy to be a music critic. Oh, I don't like that song. It is hard to put your guts on the line and write a song. And the church has been called to thrive on the backs of contributors, not critics. Now that said, as I look around the room, I'm overwhelmed and overjoyed because I see a church full of contributors. I'm preaching to the choir. I'm not preaching angry this morning. In fact, what I want to say right now is I want to fan into flame what I already see. If there's anything I would say to Overflow Church, it's this. Sometimes we're so stinking polite and patient, we put up with dysfunction. Stop it. Sometimes you see something, and you're in your seat, and you're like, well, hopefully they'll get it. I'll just pray longer this week. No, open your mouth. Choose community. Be confident in your voice. We can't be us unless you're you. So I want to fan into flame today your confidence in your community. This is what I'm going to ask. If you see a gap in our church, I'm going to ask you to come to the pastoral leader, the ministry leader, or the missional community leader, whoever's overseeing you, and bring the strength of your voice. If I could do you a favor for just a minute, as somebody who's heard a lot of um, critique through the years in a lot of places... If you want to know how you can do this well, you show up first and say to your ministry leader, hey, here's all the things heaven is celebrating and I'm celebrating too. Here's all the things that are working. Here's all the things that are going well. This is where I think we're knocking it out of the park. By the way, don't use you language. Use we language. Because if you're going to be part of the solution, it's we. It's not them. It's not you leader fix this. You're not seeing this. It's no, this is us. This is our group. And I praise God that our church looks like this now. I see a gap. And don't apologize and don't clean it up like, there's an opportunity for improvement. No, if it stinks, just say it stinks. 
This thing stinks. I feel we're missing it. And I've come to ask, how can I be a part of the solution? Last thing I'll say is this. Leaders, I'm expecting, what am I expecting? I'm expecting phone calls and emails this week. So when they come, don't you dare get offended or discouraged. You get excited because it means we're about to become the church of our dreams on an even deeper level. So I'll close this morning saying this. It is time for you and I to lift our head, to stop counting ourselves out, to not wait for another invitation because the God of your fathers is calling you off of the skateboard and onto the court right now to say that now and forever you are wanted, you are worthy, you are qualified, and you are necessary, but we will only be us if we will go together. It's registration day, and it's time to register. Would you stand with me? I'm going to ask if you'd close your eyes with me for just a minute. And I just want to ask a few questions this morning. If you close your eyes, lay your hand on your heart. I've asked the ministers to come up front here. With three calls this morning. One, that you would get your confidence. Two, that you would grow in community. And three, that we together collectively would register in for the next season of what God's doing. First question I want to ask is this, with your hand on your heart. Where do you need to repent for lies you believed about yourself? Places you believe that you're not wanted and you're not worthy. Where is it time right now? Maybe you have a long list of people that have hurt you. And they've blown it. And God says it's time to forgive them for where they failed to see, but to stop empowering them and to receive your worth from Christ alone. I'm going to ask right now, if you're wrestling with some place of your worth, would you step out from your seat and let one of these ministers begin to pray for you? What lie is it about you this morning that needs to fall? The second question I'm going to ask is where do you need to repent about your posture toward the body of Christ? Are there places that you've approached the church as if it's them and not us? Would you search your heart right now and ask the Lord, is there any place I've been standing as a critic and not a contributor? Is there any place I've been whispering about a leader or a pastor or a gap or a flaw or a shortcoming or a weakness? I've been whispering in phone calls, over texts, in my kitchen, but I haven't gone to that person. I haven't contributed. Would you just hand on your heart, God, I'm sorry for being a critic. Can I tell you, I love the church, but I found myself being a critic far too much. If that's you, there's no condemnation. There's only invitation. Would you kick it off? Would you say, God, I don't want to be a critic. I want to be a contributor. Right now, what is God saying to you about our church? Where is he saying we'd be stronger if we'd walk in this way? What do you see that we need? I would ask where is it time to stop leaning on the crutch of suspicion, sitting on the edge of the court because the last place you were it just didn't feel safe and you've been leaning and you've been waiting but God said listen you need to dive in you need to jump in I want to tell you you're never going to find a perfect church because it's filled with imperfect people but you're at a church right now that loves and adores Jesus and loves and adores people we live to receive and release the Father's love to everyone everywhere and we can never fully be us unless you're fully you, fully confident, and fully connected. So with that, even in this moment, this is what I'm going to ask for every person in the room. Hand on your heart. I understand for some of you, your praying is overflow church home. I get that, and that's awesome. And you take as long as you need to pray before the Lord. You're not going to get a used car salesman pitch from me. We don't need to hype you up. You keep seeking him. But there are many in the room right now saying, overflow church is home.
And you've heard this morning a charge to say, I'm going to choose community. I'm going to choose confidence. And I'm going to step into my voice and be a contributor. So I'm going to ask right now, if you say yes and amen to that, would you just one hand on your heart, the other hand just straight up in the air. Look at it as you come before the Lord saying, okay, Lord, I'm raising my hand this year, and I'm saying I'm in at Overflow Church. If you this year are saying, I'm in, I've heard you, and yes, I'm ready to be a contributor. Yes, I'm ready to plug into community. Yes, I want to be all in. Yes, I want to walk in confidence. Would you just lift your hand up? Oh, Father, I ask for each person right now. And listen, this moment is sacred. My eyes are closed. I don't know whose hands are up and whose hands are down. Just between you and the Lord, I'm asking right now for every person who is saying this year I'm in. God, would you release a new grace? I'm asking for confidence. I'm asking for boldness. I'm asking for places before we put up with dysfunction. That there were things that we saw that weren't right and we said, well, maybe they'll work it out. That we're going to trust the Holy Spirit in one another enough to say it. That we're going to stop behaving and that we're just going to be who God called us to be. Father, I pray you would embolden each voice to bring what they see. We silence the voice of suspicion. We ask that you would come right now and connect your body. And Father, we go beyond the walls here. We ask this for Abide Church and for the resting place, for Arise. Father, we ask this for Bell Shoals and for Bay Life, the crossing. Right now, if God brings a church to your mind in our city, right now, let's do this, 30 seconds. Begin to bless the churches of our region. Father, Salvation City Church, we bless you. Activation Church, we bless you. Appointed Church, we bless you. Seaglass Church, we bless you. South Bay Church, we bless you. May you walk in the fullness of who God called you to be. Oh, Holy Spirit, we are ready. We are ready to get in the game with you. Would you speak, Father? Would you speak? Yes, Jesus. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. We're just going to stay in this for a moment. Pastor Aaron is going to dismiss our service. Overflow Church, I bless you. I bless you. I bless you.